This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Charlotte Chung and Fred Tatashore. And you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk Time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard worse when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, though my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah yes you heard that right this is the prime show this is no mistake this is happening on a friday this is happening early my <laughs> my prime shows are usually on thursday but there's a significant reason for this earlier this week after the beautiful chaos that was fan expo in philadelphia amongst other events that happened I did not rest at all. In fact, I attended two early screenings this week, one of which uh, was The Flash, which I'll, you know, review next week. And the other was Transformers Rise of the Beast. And let me tell you, that movie is every bit as a beast as they claim. We're going to talk about that uh, that movie in this episode. In fact, this that's the only thing we're going to talk about. There will be no what's new in the world of acmg segment um i really don't see, I did, there's really nothing big talking about this week or newsworthy if in my opinion this will be totally dedicated to one of my greatest favorite fandoms and that is transformers and why this movie has is changing the game in the transformers user universe so my deal is this sunday i will still have select start i'm switching gears select start will be sunday because I will review Street Fighter 6. I did complete it as of last night, uh, the World Tour story mode, and you know, still playing around and having fun with that game. So we'll talk about what I thought fully and give it a final grade that I think is appropriate for that. Um, in accordance to whether this game may be game of the year, because we got Mortal Kombat coming up too, and they just revealed a lot of things. We'll also be talking about the um, Summer Fest, the Summer Game Fest, 
as well and run down everything that was talked about there. So we'll be doing all that on Sunday. So don't you worry. But I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this now. And I'm giving a spoiler warning as of right now. If you did not see this movie yet, whether you if you've seen it early pre-screening, then come along. You belong. Um, if you have not, I highly suggest waiting until you watch this movie because I am going to talk about it all. This is a spoiler episode heavily because there's no way I can talk about this movie without talking about the big thing that happened in there. And um, oh my God, you I, trust me when I tell you, we're going to also talk about audience reaction too at the early screening. Trust me. I don't care what you guys saw in your theater. Our theater was popping and from, from start to finish. People were excited in, in the Lord. We'll talk about all that. But um, yeah, just want to warn you now, if you didn't see the movie, wait until you see the movie, then come back to me to see what I thought uh, if and hear what I thought about it and um, get your, you know, see if it matches up with yours. But I don't know, man, it is going to be hard to it's going to be hard. <laughs> to deny this movie um and there's another significant aspect to this movie that i want to talk about too that i found to be very emotional when watching it uh so let's not waste any time folks let's find out nope let's go right in to our talk topic of the week roll out do it and now it's time for our talk topic of the week ready Wait. Hold on to your dreams. The future is built on dreams. One shall stand, one shall fall. Peace is the right of all sentient beings. Autobots, transform and roll out! Thank you, Peter. Nice. Folks, you have reached our talk topic of the week, and I am here to review Transformers Rise of the Beast. That was another clip that you heard of the one and only Peter Cullen, aka the voice of Optimus Prime, and his very best. It's amazing that he can still do that voice and make it pitch perfect. I mean, it's just amazing like he is that like even there are other people that will be doing that voice and has done that voice but man it's just hard to really say that anybody can do it better if anybody that i think that can match closely to peter cullen's voice fred tattashore fred tattashore is the closest to doing that voice if if you heard him on um if you heard him on on uh overwatch as the character he plays on there it's almost like a almost like a dead ringer of a character to that and he's just wonderful i'm so glad uh that he will be remaining as optimus prime for these movies go out anyway go to talktimelive.com right now well not right now after you hear this and then also check out the panel on the video people are really digging it and um it is just it's just fantastic Oh, so grateful again. Thank you, Fan Expo, for that opportunity, because uh, not only that, because during that panel real quick before we get into the movie during that panel, I will say that they really looked out. They gave me a tripod so I could use it as a hard cam. 
which is why you it, when you're looking at it it does not move at all it is just directly to there um i'm not holding the gimbal which i would have held the gimbal with no problem but the fact that i was able to just be hands-free let the tripod do what it do and just record it there i almost feel like i should just bring my um my tripod with me just to do that you know what i'm saying like it, it was exactly the same like my tripod that i have here and it was just it was fantastic I, I just sat back or laid on the ground watched it enjoyed it and then when i saw the video i was at all because it was just so well recorded the resolution 4k all that just perfect so go anyway check it out trust me you won't want to miss it and you won't regret it it's it's an awesome awesome panel 28 minutes of greatness with peter cullen all right let's talk about rise of the beast man Woo! this you know you'll see the commercial you'll see trailers where they get you know critics um uh, you know comments and quotes on there one of which on rise of the beast said this is the best transformers movie since the first that is the first time i ever looked at a quote on a trailer on a, on a commercial that actually was legit correct because i said the exact same thing and then that commercial came i'm like yeah good i'm not the only one <laughs> now granted bumblebee was awesome bumblebee was fantastic um but as a it was a standalone and it's still considered one of the best Transformers movie to date. But looking at this Transformers movie, undoubtedly the best. Like it, it, it's like it's crazy because you watch Dark of the Moon, Revenge of the Fallen, uh, Age of Extinction, and all these other ones that tried to do the Unicron thing and all that crap. Um, it didn't live up because Michael Bay was in front of it, and he honestly. Yeah, he's still an executive producer of this, but he's given the keys to people who absolutely are fans of the of the movie. I think it was the most unegotistical thing he's ever done, and I'm very happy to, that he's doing that. He also did that with the turtles too. He gave somebody the keys um, the the keys to the uh, car in the turtles movie, and it came off awesome. It's the second movie at uh, at that, so. I really, really enjoyed that he did this. And not only that, I you got to give him kudos for, for another thing, too. Like, the keys were given to Stephen Cappell Jr. You know, if you don't know the name, you know his movies. One of which is Creed 2, which I absolutely loved. He did a phenomenal job with that movie. He did exactly the same here. And I didn't notice Stephen uh, Cappell did this um until peter cullen mentioned it and then also i forgot i even forgot after that but when i watched the movie oh you can see it and here's the here's the thing this movie you know like the bay movies they you know you love the transformers you enjoy the transformers but the human stories and elements were typical they were they were typical and you know in a lot of ways unrelatable to many because it was a world that only a certain denomination of people can relate to or get down with but it was like all right that was known for us this transformers movie was made for the culture or should i say cultures because it was it was heavily heavily influenced by a lot of you know black and latino culture 
especially during one of the greatest parts greatest eras of the world um in in, in history like the 90s <laughs> in terms of music at best so all through like literally the first half of this movie they focused on a human element there where you got noah diaz who is a uh i, I want to say fallen soldier he's a soldier that was um what did they call that um he was uh discharged i would say um because he he kind of it sounds like he went awol and he did so for a purpose he had to take care of his family his uh his little brother chris who they call each other chris calls him sonic uh noah calls him tails so there's a lot of game references like things that happened in the 90s there's a lot of 90s things going on here it was based on 19, 1994 I can't I can't even begin to tell you what I was doing in 1994 man it was I was getting into a lot of trouble back then but the music was there the hype was there it was just awesome so all through the movie you're hearing all this hip-hop like all the music that you heard in this movie used to be my mixtape back in the day and if you're a Gen Z kid back in the day we used to have what was called mixtapes you call them playlists now but mixtapes was used for two for two reasons. One, to rock with that you can you know enjoy on your Walkman, which we now call an iPhone or phone period or smartphone period. And two, you would use it whenever you uh, you start dating. So there you go. That's that was that was the slow jam uh, mix right there. But if y'all kids even down with that these days, sensitized ass. But I digress. Um, so uh, the music selection was just it was incredible and i'm like yo what is up with all these awesome like biggie uh tupac swv like it was just going bangers just coming back and forth as the music that was playing through and i was like i'm in a, i'm in the audience with the with everybody and everybody is just rocking out to the to the music and everything that was going on here while these guys are doing their thing so Noah is trying to find a job. And, and this is the other thing that I love about this, which I was getting to, was that this story this time around, you know, you had the Shia LaBeouf, you know, deals and the Mark Wahlberg deals and stuff like that. There was a lot of you. I mean, it was typical storylines that we've seen all the time. This one wasn't. This one was very relatable. We understood this. This was when I say this movie was for us. This movie was for us. And now that I understand that Stephen Kaplan, uh, Capel Jr. was involved in it. And this was his direction. I couldn't be more happier. I, at, by the time I got to the end of the movie, I started crying because I started realizing how much this movie was made for us. All the black and Latino uh, cultural um, kids who grew up with Transformers. Like we love Transformers just as much too. The fact that they added, you know, so many cool elements in there, like Noah Diaz and Dominic uh, Fishback, you know, and made them so such an important factor in this story, and it's, and, and come up with such a relatable backstory for that, it was just awesome. So speaking of the story, no uh, Noah, he's having a hard time finding a job because he was discharged, and you know he couldn't. They consider him unreliable, but in fact he was looking out for his kid, for his kid brother, who in fact had sequel cell he couldn't they couldn't afford you know the hospital bills um which it's it's one of the biggest problems of this country 
I, I don't know what country a lot of you are listening from. I know there's people who are listening from different parts of the of regions outside of the United States, but you know, health insurance is a is a big deal here in a in a, in a bad way. Um, we pay a lot of money where other people in other countries barely pay that little, if not any, for health insurance. And some it's it's becoming to the point that a lot of people can't afford it. And this is the story that comes with Noah Diaz as to why he was discharged and he left. He fled to take care of his brother because, you know, his mother, uh, Brianna Diaz, played by Luna Lauren uh, Velez from, you know, New York Undercover. And recently, uh, Spider-Man, uh, you know, across the Spider-Verse, she's doing double duty here. So it was great to see her once again, um, you know, do play another role here. You know, she's, she's getting an emotion. I love it. You know, they're trying to afford, you know, health insurance to get him taken care of. And they, they're just like, they're not even trying to take him. It's he's like a, what is he? Like they said he was a 13 year old kid in here. And he's a Christy S who plays by Dean Scott, uh, Vasquez. He was, he came off such a fighter. No matter what he went through, he was still fighting. He was his goal was not only to beat Sequel Cell, but also to beat, you know, Bowser. Uh it's 1994, so I'm assuming it could be Super Mario 3 or it could be Super Mario World. One of the two. I that's what I was thinking. Um, so he could be he could be in that era. They didn't specifically say they just said beat Bowser. They can you gotta put two and two together, 90, 1994, which game mario game could he have been playing in that in that mode but he was determined to, you know he was a fighter and that inspired noah to keep going despite the fact that you know he was just struggling trying to find a job to help uh chris with this that's a really relatable thing and if you notice that's something that you don't see in a lot of the transformer storylines you notice that none of the characters which were white never had to go through this type of struggle they were always they live in some form of privilege. They were well, were, were like not well off, but they were able to be okay. They never had any financial issues. They never had to struggle with systemic issues that, you know, we had to do. On top of this, you had Elena Wallace played by Dominic Fishback, who was an accomplished woman working in a museum. See, I forgot what they call the people who can detect whether, you know, something is, uh, something a, a, a work of art or a relic is real or not but that was her job she was a specialist in that and of course she worked at a job where she has all the skills and ability but she's working for somebody who's taking all the you know all the uh credit for it because it's her company so she's getting all the credit for anything that she discovers her boss would take credit for and her boss just happened to be white but guess what folks that's something that actually happens quite often, you know, where we have the ability. Look, I left my job eight years ago, a corporate job, because they just wanted to utilize me, but didn't want to elevate me. So it these things happen quite often. It, it's, you know, it's a sad reality, but she came across this relic that didn't really it didn't really come off as what it was pertaining to be and she noticed that the uh, scriptures in there weren't anything of the dates or time that they spoke of so she wanted to look closer into it and she did and she found out that it was one of the keys 
that would um it was one half of the keys i should say that would help get them get some of the transformers back home but it was also a key that can help unicron get to uh get to earth and eat the planet so yes unicron is officially been seen and let me tell you from a visual standpoint spot on to the designers because they made that look exactly like unicron from the um from the transformers movie what we did not see yet is him in robot form i think they're saving that i know there are going to be people who are going to be upset because they didn't see that but i think this is leading into something bigger they're going to drag this out and i don't mind this because of how you know they're doing it the marvel way this is this they're doing it the marvel studios way marvel drags everything out but then finally does the payoff i think they're going to do the same thing because they did the same thing with the maximals here you know all through the movie so there you have it but also i should mention before this they did show a flashback of the maximals uh fighting off against um Uni uh, scourge which is the the uh big villain here it's not cyclonus it's not uh galvatron it is scourge so they kind of they're flipping the story around because in the original g1 you know during the transformers movie saga it was it was uh cyclonus who was the leader of the uh, of the crew scourge was the assistant or backup or right hand man um cyclonus and then galvatron was the leader of all of that you know and they were all like kind of you know the heralds of of unicron this time around is scourge played by the one and only peter dinklish and you know peter dinklish plays something it is going to be instant badass and exactly what it was scourge was no joke i loved his look and design and his face how he kind of looks like um it kind of looks like his face kind of looked like a decepticon in a sense but what was so awesome about him was that he kind of they kind of went the killmonger deal with him because every transformer he killed every autobot or decepticon or you know maximal that he killed he took their symbol and put it on his uh shoulder so um it was it was pretty dope so he had to go against him and this was eons ago before you know octopus prime and him came by you know they they stuck with the storyline that you see on beast wars where you know these versions of the transformers came back in time you know to try to retrieve the key or whatever like that and and um they ended up you know fighting scourge optimus primal had a leader that he was going by who also was a transformative uh, he transformed into an ape and um or a gorilla whatever and he was he died defending and trying to save them which then he gave the honor of octopus primal played by ryan perlman leadership of the maximals so we got to see the origin story of the beast wars in a sense and how optimus primal got his deal and so we had that situation so technically you know what's, what i loved about this movie is that it kind of takes shades of one of the beast wars episodes where some of the g1 transformers actually came back like ravage came back but he, he ravage was in like ravage could walk and talk so it was like a modified updated great upgraded version of it was like one of the best episodes i actually liked on beast wars is when they tied in the g1 aspect to this um so because i wasn't i again i've said it before i was not really a big fan of beast wars because 
I mean, visually, it, it wasn't, you know, stimulating to me. And this was during the beginning of the CGI era. So it's nowhere near what it is now. It is like the Beast Wars now, especially the one on a Netflix series, so much better. Um, this one and the storytelling is so much better, too. But I feel like they took a bit of shades from that. So they kind of stuck to slight canon with this uh, to this one. But um, it was really cool. So they managed to hide away the key. And then that's when we got to the present with uh, Noah and, and that storyline there. But now Noah does not have a job. He doesn't know what to do. He's trying to, you know, he's trying to live legit. He's trying to do it. It's like, this is the thing. And I love that they did this. Everybody wants to live good when they have when everybody has resources and opportunity, everybody's going to live good. Everybody's going to eat well. But when opportunity and resources are not given to you you're, and you're just trying to struggle to survive, you're trying to do the right thing, but you got to do what you got to do to save your family, to save yourself. Noah did not want to go this route, but, you know, his 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 dude like Reek played by Toby. Um, I'm going to butcher his last name. Nugui. I'm, I'm just, that's the way I'm saying it. I'm probably butchering it. Forgive me. But uh, he plays the character Reek. Reek is trying to convince him like, look, you could get that money quick. We could get it going if you, you know, work with me. What he wanted him to do was start trying to, um, you know, you know, flip off cars and, you know, take cars. So they went to this charitable event. And, and, and Noah was reluctant to do it because he didn't want to do it. That's not how he wanted to, you know, he wanted to be legit. He wanted to make his brother proud. He wanted to make his family proud. This is, you know, he never wanted to have to go to this route. But these are some of the things that happen with some people when they feel like they don't have anything else to go and nobody's trying to look out for them. This is legit. This is, this is the reality that a lot of us had to go under. When you... When you don't have any options sometimes, it's just like, what else are you going to do? You know, and I love the fact that um, Stefan and the writers, I'm going to give the writers credit to Joby Harold, uh, Darnell Mateer, and Josh Peters. They wrote a compelling story of like, this dude's just trying to survive. He's not, he's not, he's not doing things intentionally to be a villain. He's not trying to be a bad guy. He's not trying to be a thief or whatever like that. It's like he does that or their family is homeless because nobody's given them opportunity you know and this is how people get you know people in a community gets vilified like that because yeah they're doing wrong but what other options are you giving them so this is where he he's in a bind at this part so he decides to go in and do it and reek is hilarious in this whole thing because he's trying to calm down trying to make him do these breathing techniques and everybody in the audience is just cracking the hell up at this dude like every almost every line in every scene was there was a reaction from the audience in, in, in the theater that I was in, like whether they were laughing, they were getting excited, they were, you know, awing at whatever. Like it was it was just it was they grabbed us majorly. Um, never thought I would get this much emotion. I haven't gotten this much emotion on the Transformers movie literally since the first. Um, but man, it was just great. Reek was hilarious. So Reek, you know, gets him to do it. He uh, Noah's trying to shut him up with these breathing exercises. So. He sneaks on in, tries to blend in, really does a bad job doing it, but he finds a Porsche. He finds a Porsche. He gets in his Porsche. He tries to open the door. The door keeps closing on him, but he keeps opening the door and he manages to open the door and 
unlock it at the same time. So he managed to get in. But right at this point, because during while this heist is going in, Alina Wallace uh, discovers that she has the key and the key, you know, the bird that the relic bird that um, that she discovered ends up breaking into this key. And then a relic just pops out, uh, you know, and which is half the key. And then a beacon shoots up where Optimus and the rest of the Autobots see it. Optimus does a whole entire roll call calling all Autobots and whatever. This leads to Mirage and Noah, who just happened to know, who, who was unbeknownst to him, is stealing Mirage in here. Mirage, played by Pete Davidson. Let me tell you. This role was perfect for him. He did an awesome job as Mirage. Him and um, him and him and uh, Anthony Ramos are a great team together. They were they were freaking awesome. So um, those two, he starts to he he gets them in the car, he locks them in, and the cop actually catches Noah in there. But it's already time to roll out, and they end up rolling. Uh, you know the car is being stolen. The cops are chasing. You know Noah and Mirage in the car, but Mirage, if you know who Mirage is from G1, then you know what he could do. Mirage completely made holographic replicas of himself to, you know, stare away the cops. The, the holographic, the holographic replicas had different versions of Noah in there doing different things in there. It was hilarious, and Noah was freaked out in this whole thing. So he managed; they managed to get away from the cops, but like without. You know, not without making so much collateral damage to cop cars and everything, it was crazy. So they all met up in the garage and, you know, Noah's with them and then Optimus is there and Optimus is not happy about the idea that Noah's in here with them and whatnot and they need to find to get this key. So Mirage now is doing this buddy cop thing with uh, Noah and they decide to team up like Noah is the new Spike, which, by the way, I should add that. Um, He's been called Sonic, not only by his uh, not only by his brother, but by, you know, Mirage. And that after a while in the movie plays very important to what's going to happen at the end of the movie in here, too. So um, it was great. So we got a chance to see other, you know, Transformers, you know, Autobots as well. So in this one, we get the appearance of um, what is it? Uh, we got RC played by Lizzie Koshy. Um, RC's RC's a sister. <laughs> okay. Uh, I love this. RC to me was like Mirage was dope. The Mirage's, you know, mech design was really awesome. Like the mech designs this time around, you can tell they look like the Autobots. They look closer to the Autobots in this in this movie and in Bumblebee than they ever did in any of the other ones. Like, because if you remember, like, that was one of the biggest problems with the Transformers movies is like the first Transformers movie everybody liked. But one of the things that we all agreed was like Starscream looked like crap. Starscream looked horrible. And everyone was like every other one looked okay and they were passable because that's the only thing that we got. Optimus Prime looks like Optimus Prime, like the G1 Optimus Prime here. Bumblebee still looks, he looks better than he did on the original movie, but they still got him doing the bebop thing and the radio thing. I would rather them not have done that. Um, but I mean, he's, everybody still loves Bumblebee regardless. Um, but he looks much better than he did before. 
then also um an rc i think was the best was the best design uh transformer of the entire movie um we also had uh will jack as well played by christo uh fernandez and he, there was a hilarious moment with that too <laughs> there but they all decide that um we're gonna use noah to get the key because he's easy to slip in to the museum and pick it up so that leads noah to try to do that in kind of a failed way um he ends up meeting with elena who realizes that he's coming in to steal the uh the key and she's not understanding what's going on at first until like everything explodes then she realizes that there are actual robots that are trying to get at this so they are running and chasing and you know the autobots come and try to go after them this leads to something that a big shocker in this movie where scourge quote unquote kills bumblebee and everybody in the crowd was just like this was one of the like shocking moments and everybody reacted really because we everybody loves bumblebee to see him die in here especially after he just had his own movie <laughs> it's like what the hell's going on here so he supposedly dies in here uh scourge kills him takes his autobot symbol and they fled so come to find out that they had uh air razor uh finds him and she also finds the beacon air razor played by michelle yo who's been on a tear this year uh just for the last couple years man she's been in high demand she's on his new um disney plus series uh right now that i need to check out it looks really awesome um of course anything everywhere but what uh at once I, if i'm saying it right she was on you know she got her you know flowers and oscars from that um my gosh she's just been on a tear but she's air razor in this movie and she does not disappoint as always she makes her presence known she find um she finds them and then leads them to um i believe mexico maybe where they have to find you know the old relic and everything the other relic and also somewhere along the line they're going to meet the other maximals so the ma other maximals that come in we got uh let me see who we got we got uh cheetar played by uh tangai uh chrissie chrissa i believe um who else was there rhinox who played by david uh sub uh so uh he was in there too uh i will i love this joe dimaggio john dimaggio played transit which was like this old crappy like autobot who turns into like a freight um plane that can barely hold <laughs> and mirage is like no i'm not no i'm i'm i'm, I'm walking <laughs> so you know it was a really cool thing in the midst of all this um there's a bit of a bonding thing with uh elena and noah because noah's trying to calm her down and talk her through the flight and she gets nervous whenever she gets nervous she sings like song she was singing um tlc's waterfalls and whatnot it was just it was a really funny warm moment there and i should add before that that um noah before they left noah did tell chris that he was gonna have to leave and unfortunately he did he was trying not to tell him why but mirage was making so much noise that he wind up he wind up revealing um who he was and everything and chris was not afraid at all he was actually tough he, he told he told mirage like you better take care of my brother like i'm dead serious like take care of him and all of a sudden unbeknownst to noah 
Chris and Mirage were keeping track of each other and keeping contact with each other. And in the midst of all this, Mirage calls Noah Sonic and he didn't realize that he knew how, you know, he knew that, but he revealed that he's been keeping track of, um, you know, uh, Noah through the whole, uh, Chris through the whole thing, which is dope. It is awesome. And again, take notice that the word, the name Sonic keeps coming up. There is a reason it's not because of Sega. Trust me. So they find their way to find the other relic and they managed to do that. They team up with the Maximals, um, to try to get after, you know, you know, go after Scourge and it, you get the key, uh, stop Scourge from bringing Unicron into earth to try to, you know, cause he's going to eat the planet. That's what Unicron does. And basically, you know, sometimes I wonder when I think about the story of Unicron, I'm thinking like, is that, did they get that from Galactus and Silver Surfer? I, I, I just feel like they did, you know, Hasbro did kind of take shade, take shades of um, Marvel with the Unicron story. Cause this is exactly the same. He's a, he's a transformer that eats planets. Galactus is a, you know, a being that eats planets, you know? And he had Silver Surfer to find those planets for him. This one, he got scourged to do it. And then back in the day, it was like Galvatron and, and um, the sweeps would do it. So I, I never thought about that, but like, I wonder if that's the, you know, influence or inspiration for Unicron in this case, because Galactus has been around way longer than Unicron. So I'm just putting it out there. But, you know, down the line, you know, the other thing too, the, the other thing was that like, the other little bit of storyline to this is Noah, and Optimus have had issues with each other. More, more Optimus than anything, because he he feels like he can't trust humans at the time. This is before he actually did start trusting humans, but he really had an issue trusting humans and thinking that they're only for themselves. So he was a little bit cynical about the whole thing. And once he met Optimus Primal and saw that you know him and the Maximals would pay their respects to the tribe in the, in, in their land and, you know, stuff like that and say that they all work together. Optimus had a different perspective now, uh, because he didn't, he didn't, you know, all through the, his time, he, you know, couldn't tr He felt that he couldn't trust humans and humans were too afraid of them and whatnot and considered them a threat. Well, any other part of the culture and land, they apparently work together you know, humans and, and, you know, the transformers work together in a lot of cases. So it brought a different bit of perspective to Optimus in this case to trust Noah a little bit more here. So the other thing too, was the, the purpose, the reason why they wanted to get the key and get both keys was plainly because Optimus can go, not only go, um, take the transformers back home, which he could finally fulfill his duty to do that because he, you know, Mirage was telling Noah, Optimus feels bad that he got everybody trapped in this, you know, land ever since. And they were only trying to make this as a pit stop. And they wind up, you know, staying here for a long time. Um, so this was their way of going back to Cybertron, but not only just to go back home, but to also possibly save Bumblebee because they would have the energon and resource to be able to um, make that happen, to, to revitalize them. So once they started saying that, I figured like, okay, he may be coming back. They, they're going to get Bumblebee back somehow. Uh, so they end up, you know, they end up um, getting to the land and Scourge and the rest of the crew and his minions were coming in. They somehow managed to get the key, but get both keys. They also, Scourge also infected Air Razor 
and a miss. He has this way of shooting something at, you know, Air Razor, and apparently it just turned her evil. It turned her like it infected her in such a bad way. It's like Cybertronian clap, if you will. Um, so she ended up getting she ended up getting um, affected to the point that she was trying to kill uh, Eliza, uh, Elena um, and everybody that was there. It was another sad moment because, you know, we got Bumblebee down and now Air Razor had to be st stopped. And she's still with a little bit more cognitive and consciousness to her uh, ability to her. She told Optimus, uh, Optimus Primal to, you know, stop her and end her, you know, no matter the cost, you know, and he ended up having to, you know, kill her, unfortunately. And it, it was just, uh, everybody was just, you know, she she went out on a blaze of glory, I guess, in there. So now Scourge has both keys. They have to stop them. They go all out, you know, to do so and all the stuff. They they uh, there was only one way to stop this whole thing, and that was to put a code, a particular code, the ancient code, into the um, mechanism that they were going to use to open the key, which Elena, uh, you know, transcribed when she got that relic. So she was able. She had the other part of the code, and they all had to find a way to do it. So this led to Noah and Elena risking their entire lives to save the planet with the Autobots and the Maximals. And it led to this awesome, fantastic fighting scene that you can actually see what's going on during the fight. This also led to the moment where the Maximals finally maximized and, be and we saw them in robot form. So they dragged that entire thing out to the very end. We got to see a little bit of everybody, you know, as was. I would have loved to have seen Air Razor in maximized form, but we didn't get a chance to see that. So that was unfortunate. Um, also, I will I will definitely say we did not see Rat Trap in this movie either. I know a lot of people were mad that you didn't getting see didn't get to see Rat Trap in here for some odd reason, but nonetheless, it was it. It, it was what it was, but it didn't deter anything from this movie at all. So I should add that um Mirage gave Noah a really cool gauntlet-like deal, which kind of you know does a few things like shoots and defends himself. And you know. Noah is a, Noah is military, so he didn't know how to handle himself in there as well. You know what I was happy about too? One of my other pet peeves about the original and um, Transformer series is how vulnerable the Transformers were. I hated the idea that the Transformers can be killed by normal gun, by human gunfire. I hated that. I because all through my all through our lives as as G1 fans, we would watch a lot of episodes where the army would try to take out the trans, you know, the Decepticons and bullets would deflect from their body because it's an alloy that couldn't be penetrated. They, normal firepower shouldn't work. No, not in Michael Bay's Transformers. For some reason, rocket launchers can be penetrated. Normal firepower can be like, they died so easily. I hated that. I so hated that. And, and that was one of my, Oh, that was one of my biggest pet peeves about that movie. I'm like, okay, why they why are they so vulnerable? Why are they so damn vulnerable? Why are they they don't come off as a threat to me if they could be easily killed by humans in this case? So thank goodness that, that that's not the case in these in this recent, you know, rebooted version of this movie, of these movies, because I I I I couldn't with this whole thing. 
Um, so basically, they got into a fight. Mirage, uh, you know, helps Noah. Um, but in doing so, he ends up getting it. I don't want to say he got killed, but he got severely injured. Um, but by doing so, he could was out of action, but he did save Noah at the same time. Um, while everybody else was trying to, you know, get rid of, you know, defeat Scourge, Mirage did something really awesome. He gave his body to Noah and Noah had this awesome exosuit that, that would look very similar to if you guys remember Transformers the movie where Daniel and Spike had that had a similar exosuit just like that. Um, but he was able to, you know, the exosuit that um, Noah had gave uh, him almost the ability. It gave him superhuman abilities. He was able to hold, you know, Optimus at this case. So him and Optimus, even uh, you know, teamed up against uh, Scourge and Opti Optimus and Optimus Primal end up taking out Scourge once and for all. And the crowd with crowd in the audience went crazy for that. Like it was no joke. Also, I would say that they they managed to blow up the keys and whatnot. And something happened where Energon appeared all over the land. So this answers a lot of questions. This, you know what I loved about this? This, that, that scene when the Energon came into Earth, this reflected on what the G1 story is because there was some way, somehow Energon was able, was inherited in the land of Earth. They were able to, you know, mind uh, Energon all around Earth because there were, you know, signs of Energon all around. This kind of answers that question. So they kind of stuck to G1 kind of lore here with that. But as you see the Energon, you know, inhabits the land, it also glides over Bumblebee. And when that happened, the crowd lit up because you knew what was about to happen. And all of a sudden they showed Bumblebee moving. And let me tell you, the audience in the in, in my theater went crazy for this because we knew this dude's coming back and he's coming back with a vengeance and the crowd this was when everybody stood up and was like cheering like crazy and everything like dude this whole entire movie was popping from start to finish so it was on and then when they you know when they when both primes you know took out scourge again crowd went crazy it was like we were at a ufc fight or a wrestle uh, or a wrestling pay-per-view it was like that People were going bananas for this deal. And you know, they they all managed, thanks to Alina and thanks to Noah, they stopped Unicron. He kind of got forced back into the hole, into the portal that he was in. Um, Optimus was gonna sacrifice himself. So this was looking like this was gonna be another Optimus Prime dies for his crew type of thing. Cause Optimus Prime throughout time has died so many times and so many different variations of, you know, Transformers shows. It was like, okay, here we go again. Not this time because Noah ends up saving, um, ends up uh, catching uh, Prime and saving him. Again, he held his ax in his hand enough time. He was about to, it looked like they were about to lose Prime, but then Optimus Primal managed to grab him as well. So they all did a tug of war to make sure that he didn't get sucked into that hole or whatnot. So they managed to save him all as well. They end up saving the universe. Um, and you know, everything went, and went good. They saved the world. So, okay, this is definitely the part. Again, if you've been listening for this long and you haven't seen a movie, I'm telling you, you do not 
want to be spoiled by this because this is the part that's going to change everything. So Noah is back, saved the planet, and they're all back to normal. Chris is still trying to find a job. Elena, meanwhile, has become famous because she discovered that realm in relic and everything she they saw her on, they showed her on 60 minutes getting interviewed and everything which i thought was dope again seeing a successful intelligent black woman get her praise get her flowers for what she you know for her contributions and what she did it was so awesome to see that and she ended up getting interviewed on 60 minutes it looked like by barbara walters i'm not sure um but it was just awesome because now she's finally getting her credit and due and now she's a part of black history because of this discovery okay so i thought that was awesome meanwhile noah is still trying to look for a job so he finds this job he finds this he's in his interview and suddenly they talk about they talk about his credentials and he talks about how like he looks at the guy looks at the resume and says like there's nothing really here and he said i, I actually did have a recent job i was overseas or whatnot it was a um, kind of a confidential type of thing but you know we went there and yada 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 and all of a sudden the guy said well you know what we don't need you for that we actually need you for something else and not only just we need you we need your other buddies too and this is where noah was like wait what's going on here and he's like you know those big metal guys that you were hanging around with he's like I don't know what you're talking about. What do you like? What's going on here? How do you what what? And this guy's like, you know, what we need you for is to be a part of a different division and team that we don't know, you know, that that will be involved with you and that would uh you could use you and your uh, associates. And Noah was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, good. That's a good answer. So he keeps explaining who you know he is. And I'm at this point, I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh wait, is this sector seven? Because if you guys remember in the first movie, yeah, um, the Sector 7 was, you know, the secret agent or the secret organization that was actually a part of this whole thing that was, you know, that knew about the Transformers and all that stuff. Um, that wasn't the case here. So <laughs> I, I'm just down there. I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking like, Oh no, this has got to be Sector 7. And lo and behold, give me a sec, because I want to look at something. Um da, 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 he was always in this movie. Uh, da, 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 who is it? Who is it? No. Why is he not in here? I'm trying to figure out what was the guy from Sector 7. It's one of my favorite actors, too. Um just transform. Yeah, that should do. Yes, John Turturro. Yeah, John Turturro is usually like the, he was the head of Sector Seven. Sector Seven, you know, in the first in the original movie was kind of what was going on here. I thought was going on here, and I'm like, oh, this is Sector Seven. This has got to. He's going to be joining with Sector Seven or whatever like that. So the guy goes up to the wall. He hits up. He he moves his pitcher, and all of a sudden the walls move and open up into a bigger headquarters. This little seek this really huge secret headquarters a la like shield if you will so noah's looking at it and he's like we can definitely use your help and he's going down to the headquarters noah walks up he take the guy gives him his card first of all um and we don't see what the car says 
But then he looks down at the card. It says one thing, but he flips the card. And it says G.I. Joe. And let me tell you, everybody blew up in the theater when we saw that because we knew what's about to happen. It's about to go down. This has been talked about for so many years. This collaboration between G.I. Joe and Transformers, and my God, it's about to happen. And I know many of us forgot that this happened and we didn't think it was gonna happen. It's about to go down. So what they did afterwards was dope because it was like, now they did their they did the narration thing where Optimus Prime normally does, does the narration for the Transformers, but Noah, now did his own narration because it's the prelude to G.I. Joe and the name Sonic. I believe that is going to be his code name because in G.I. Joe, every single member of G.I. Joe has a code name and they've been imprinting in our heads the Sonic name. And considering what he's already done, that is going to be his name. That is going to be his code name. I went crazy. Like the whole entire, the entire theater went crazy for this. It was awesome. I am, I'm so excited for this. We're finally getting this. And cause the other thing too is like, all right, last time we saw GI Joe was, um, what was it? Um, it was snake eyes. That was the last time we saw, which was snake eyes was awesome. If y'all haven't seen, um, GI Joe snake eyes, y'all need to see it. And now it looks like there's going to be a collaboration with that too. Uh, but man, so Noah Diaz this whole time, this whole movie wasn't just a a prelude to Transformers or a Transformers sequel. This was a prelude to G.I. Joe. And then on top of that, it, they're going to be connecting. They're going to be working together. It's going to get crazy. They're, re they're officially revamping the Hasbro universe. I cannot wait for this. It is on. Damn it. Get this writer strike over with. We need this done first. All right. Here's the thing. Fast X left with a cliffhanger across the Spider-Verse left with a cliffhanger. We got Guardians 3 that's going to have a Peter Quill movie coming out someday. And now this. OK, and I can't even talk about the Flash yet because that hasn't come out yet, but I already seen that and there's so, there's something popping off on that one, too. These movies this year is telling us one thing. This writer strike needs to end. Y'all need to pay. These studios need to pay these writers immediately because the reaction that we got wasn't just from the performances. It was from the storytelling that was given by these actors, by these writers, Joe, Joby Harold, Darnell Mateer, Josh Peters did a phenomenal job with a franchise that was really failing for quite some time up until Bumblebee. And that was just a little bit. I never expected this movie to be as awesome as it was. And I'm going to tell you when the big battle scene came because they were playing all this like hip hop music and everything. And I just like at that point in time, I looked at this I, without even realizing Steven, uh, Steven Capel Jr. was doing this. I realized I'm like, they made this movie for us. And just as I kept saying it, as I as a long time Transformers fan, and I've said it before, Transformers has inspired me as a graphic designer, as a logo designer, because my desk, my wooden desk, my beautiful wooden desk that I am doing this show on right now at the front of it, I put Autobot Decepticon symbols in the front of it. It has highly influenced me to become 
a graphic designer and a designer itself because of the Autobot symbol. It was just, it, you know, as a black kid growing up with this being my one of my favorite toy lines and one of my favorite shows of all time, getting a chance to see Peter Cullen in a prior week and then seeing this movie. And he did say we were going to love this movie. He heavily endorsed uh, Stephen Cable Jr. Uh, he said he's really going to love it. And uh, look, hard pressed to disagree. This is I, I, the first was really good. This is my favorite movie. And Steven Spielberg did have something to do with this as well. This is my favorite Transformers movie of all time. Live action, bar none. I never expected this movie to be as good, this good. It was incredible. I loved every minute of it. The audience loved every minute of it. I know there's gonna be some, a vocal minority of people who are gonna try to, you know, be contrarian about this. And um, no, I'm sorry, dude. If you heard what I heard, if you saw what I saw, the crowd went crazy for this. This wasn't even a Marvel movie, dude. Transformers is back. And not only that, G.I. Joe is back. And it's about to go down. It is about to go down. The, the whole the, the shit has changed, people. I implore all of you to go check out this movie. Because when I'm telling you, I'm giving this an A+. And calling this the surprise movie of 2023, you best believe I stand by that. I did not expect this movie to. I I had a hint. I had a hint that this movie was going to be entertaining. I did not expect everything that I got from this movie, and everybody in the theater left beyond happy. Go check this movie out. A plus for me, all the way. I. As a Transformers fan, I am extremely happy with what they did with this. Everybody did that played their part. Pete Davidson fit the um, the format greatly. It, Peter Cullen, for God's sake, is Peter Cullen. I mean, come on. Uh, Peter Dinklage is a great villain, as he always is. <laughs> okay. Um, just tremendous. Go out of your way, check this movie out. It is fantastic. Yo, Joe. <laughs> Folks. That will do it for this edition of ACMG for this Talk Top Live. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed that movie. Go out of your way, check it out. Make this movie blow up. They deserve it. They deserve to blow up this movie like no other, man. This, this show is just awesome. And if you're one, if you're part of the community and culture, you definitely need to support this as well. Because Stephen Capel Jr. did a phenomenal job directing this. The writers did tremendous there. And they looked out for us from start to finish. So jump on it right now. Like I said, this next week, or this Sunday... I'm flipping the script here. Select start. I will be reviewing Street Fighter 6 in all its totality and give you my thoughts on it. Is it going to be fighting game of the year? We'll find out when we do that. Plus, I will talk about everything that happened during the Summer Game Fest as well. A lot of really cool announcements and um, release dates on some much anticipated move, uh, games that we were looking forward to. So stay tuned for that and much, much more. But for now, if you like this episode and every episode, go to TalkTomLive.com for goodness sake. Go check out all of our audio episodes, our video exclusives, and right now, the Q&A panel for Peter Cullen is officially on TalkTomLive.com. It's very easy for you to find. You could go in there, click on the blog page. You can check that out. You can also check out the highlights of Fan Expo as well. I did a write-up for it and uh, with everything that went on. You know, Shamik Moore was there. Um, 
the cast of Arrow, the, you know, um, Daredevil Reborn panel, all that. It was all there. Go out of your way, check it out. It's uh, there as well as other articles and stuff like that. Just check it out. And if you want to subscribe and down, and by the way, I will say this. I think by the weekend, I might put the Peter, I, I will put the Peter Cullen uh, panel in audio as well. If you want to just listen to it on the road. So that will, there will be an audio version that will be uploaded as well. Uh, probably during the weekend or whatnot. I'll see how that goes, but it will be up there too for you to check out. But I highly recommend go check out the video one. It's so awesome uh, in there too. So um, just go out of your way, check it out. It, it's fantastic. But if you want to subscribe and download to your favorite, during your favorite podcast platforms, where virtually everywhere where podcasts are played, as including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, Pandora, you name it with their Tumblr, where they're even though they changed their stupid settings and, and user interface to do all these crazy stupid things that people don't like, we're there. So stay tuned for much, much more, folks. That will do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great weekend, people. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.